Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church and to our brand new series entitled Equipped. Um, Before we jump into our series, let me just give you uh, an update on Kelly. I know that many of you have um, asked about her and um, many others of you have wondered how she's doing. Um, So we found out a a little over a week ago, uh, nearly two weeks ago now, that uh, there was a part of a biopsy result that hadn't come back yet. We got that result when we met with the oncologist a couple of weeks ago and discovered that there was a mutation in a gene that makes this cancer a little more aggressive uh, and a little harder to treat. So we recognize that our battle ahead is going to be a little more challenging than even maybe what we assumed or thought. Um, We also know that this makes God bigger in our lives, and it makes God bigger in this experience and this story. Uh, And he's writing a story in all of this, and we believe that, and we trust him in that. Um, But I just want to say thank you because um, we have felt deeply undergirded and strengthened by the love and the prayers of this church body. Those of you here in person, those of you joining us by way of broadcast, your love and prayers have meant so much to us. It's helped us. It's strengthened us. Uh, Early in my life, I'd hear people say, I can feel the prayers. I never knew what that meant. But as I've grown in my relationship with God and as I've journeyed through the circumstance of life, I can tell you firsthand that you can feel prayer. You can feel the strength of prayer. You can feel the energy that prayer brings to you. And we have certainly felt that and experienced that. We're very, very grateful. Let me also mention um, something else that today is a very important Sunday because today is actually the first Sunday of Lent. Um, And many of you are familiar with Lent. Some of you may not be. Uh, But Lent is a 40-day journey that leads us into Holy Week and leads us toward Easter. It is an opportunity for all of us as Christ followers to calibrate our life to the life of God within us. And so I think Lent actually provides us an opportunity to do two things, to review and to renew. To review and to renew. It gives us a chance to take a look at our life, do an inventory. Uh, How are we doing spiritually? Where have we become spiritually lazy? Uh, Where have we maybe resisted God's movement in our heart, God's invitation to us? And then it's a chance for us to not just review that, but then to make commitment to renew ourselves afresh to God and to his work in us. Um, I've learned that the highest work that we have is actually paying attention to and cultivating the work of God's spirit within us. So during Lent, here's what many people do, and perhaps you've done this in the past, and you may already be doing that now. Many people at Lent give up something for God. They give up their favorite chocolate, or they may give up social media. Maybe they give up meat on Friday, or give up a meal or two during the week. Here's what I want to urge you to do this Lenten season as we move into Holy Week in just a few weeks and we move toward Easter. Instead of this year giving up, I want to urge you to give in. To give in in an area of your life to God. To give in to his movement in you. To give in to his invitation. To stop resisting and just welcome him. And we often know those places where we feel resistant. 
because something will be said or a comment will be made or a scripture will be read and it'll do something to us. We'll feel this immediately kind of digging our heels in like, I don't want to go. That may be good for them, but I don't necessarily want to go there. I don't want to entertain that. I don't want to think about doing that for God. And here's what I've learned. Resistance is the point where God's invitation begins. So if we pay attention to our resistance, we actually meet God's invitation in that moment of resistance. Where are we resisting God? Where are we holding God at arm's length in our life? Maybe in a relationship. Maybe with our personal finances. Maybe it's in our relationship with people at work. Maybe it's in sharing our faith. And even as I'm saying those things, maybe there's something in you that feels resistance. Pay attention to that. And ask God where he would meet you uh, in the middle of that. This highest work of paying attention and cultivating the, the work of God in us is actually the impetus for this series that we're moving into called Equipped. This series actually came through our elders. As we early in January were praying and fasting one day and we were just sharing and communicating with one another what God was speaking to our heart about. And this passage in Ephesians chapter six came out in a thread that we were sharing together and something resonated with me. Even as I read it that day, I felt it was God's invitation, not just to me, but it's also God's invitation to our body, an area that God wants us to grow in, to understand more about. And I shared that with our elders and I asked them to hold that in prayer with me, that we would discern this and we would then bring forward in God's timing a message around a passage of scripture that we're gonna look at this morning from Ephesians chapter six. Now, before we zoom in to that passage in Ephesians six, let's, let's zoom out for a moment and let's talk about the wider narrative of the book of Ephesians. Because if we're going to have an appreciation for what we're talking about in Ephesians chapter six and in this series, and if we're gonna really comprehend all that God is trying to share with us, we must first understand why Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian church in the first place. Besides, Paul is writing this letter in the most inconvenient of circumstances. He is actually in a Roman prison cell. And his heart is going out to a church that he planted and had spent two years with in the city of Ephesus. His heart was there. And he writes to this church and he actually emphasizes in his letter uh, in, the, in the letter to the Ephesian Christians, he emphasizes this idea of all things new. All things new. Namely, I and you and you and I are a new creation in Christ. That we have been given a new identity through Christ. That we are called to live out our new birth with a new set of values and principles in the way that we interact, especially in our relationships to others. Things that many of us didn't learn in our family of origin. That we have to relearn and be reparented by God in how we do life and relationship together in the community of God. That we are part of one new humanity comprised of Jews and Gentiles, which Paul throughout Ephesians calls the mystery of the gospel, that God was gonna make one new humanity out of two. And you and I are part of that one new humanity. And that we have been given a new means 
by which to live out our life and to live out our faith. We've been given new tools. And so Paul, in this book of Ephesians, is actually talking about all things new, but he's also talking about that we have all that we need to live this life that we live here on this earth. And so with that in mind, what I want to do this morning is I want to prayerfully read the entirety of the text that we're going to visit over the next several weeks from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And I'd like you as I read this to just open your heart, open your mind to what God may want to speak to you about today as we get into this talk. Here we go. Let's, let's pick it up. Ephesians chapter 6. Beginning in verse number 10. These are Paul's final words to the Ephesian church. Finally, he says, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Pay attention to that language. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when, not if, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. My first introduction to this passage came actually in the very first book, Christian book I ever received. I was a teenager who had given my life to Christ. I really knew nothing about the Christian faith, and I was invited to go to a week-long conference at the Philadelphia Convention Center called the Institute of Basic Youth Conflicts. How many of you are vaguely familiar with the Institute of Basic Youth Conflicts? It's a book I can't part with because this book was the very first Christian book that entered my library. I even dated it on the inside to make sure I'd never forget when I went to this conference. It was overwhelming, quite frankly, because the Institute of Basic Youth Conflicts is very adult 
in many ways. And I'm just a teenager learning some things that I'd never even heard about or thought about. But I remember my first introduction to this idea of uh, the armor of God and how God has fully equipped us for what we need to do in life, for the battles that we will be in, for the spiritual warfare that we will face. Now, here's the thing I want you to hear at the beginning of this series. The emphasis of Ephesians chapter 6 is not the equipment. The emphasis of Ephesians chapter 6 is the equipping. The fact that you and I have already been fully equipped with everything that we will need as we live out and walk out our Christian faith here on this earth. This is really important you understand because the focus of many people when they come to a passage like this is to look at the equipment, the armor of God, and it's really exciting. But you've got to understand that is not the emphasis. The emphasis is the fact that we've been already equipped, that God's already provided what we need, that by God's spirit, there is an equipping that we all enjoy. So here's the big idea for this series. The big idea is that through Christ, I am fully equipped to step into the arena and meet the demands of life by God's power. Through Christ, I am fully equipped to step into the arena and meet the demands of life by God's mighty power. Now for us to have any hopes of metabolizing the powerful truth that we're going to read about and learn about over these next number of weeks, to have any hope of metabolizing that we desperately need God to graciously answer a prayer that Paul prayed early in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And here's the prayer that Paul prayed. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and verse 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. I want to pray that prayer for us this morning. Would you bow your heads? I want to join my voice with Paul's voice as he prays this prayer over the church at Ephesus, and it's extended now to us through the Holy Scripture that this is a prayer that we can believe for as well, that God will open the eyes of our hearts to see life as God sees it. Spirit of the living God, would you quicken us Would you quicken our mortal bodies that every part of our faculty, Lord, would come alive with an awareness and understanding of not only all things new, but the fact that we have been equipped with all that we need. Help us to recognize, Lord, as we journey into and through this series that 
There are ways that you, Lord, have already equipped us far beyond our imagination. And there's nothing that happens in our life that catches you by surprise. You are fully aware of it. And you are fully involved. So God, I pray for Grace Crossing Church, everyone that's joining us here in person, those by way of broadcast, those that will be watching randomly throughout this week, Lord, wherever this video, this message, this recording will land, we ask that you will open the eyes of the understanding of those that hear, that they can receive what the spirit of the living God is doing in them, the work of God in them, and help each of us to pay attention to it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's reread that verse one more time. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here's the question. What is this incomparably great power that, that Paul prays that we would understand? What, what is it that Paul is praying that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened to see that we can miss if we're not careful? He actually tells us the answer in the next couple of verses. Here's what it says. Verses 19 through 21. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Did you get that this morning? What Paul is praying that our eyes would be open to is that our eyes would be open to just how much power is available to us who believe. The same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, he says, it's yours, it's mine. The same power that seated Christ far above all rule and all powers and all principalities, the Bible says that same power, he wants the eyes of our understanding to be opened to see that it is at our disposal we have it available to us. Now, reading passages like this almost feel more like you're reading a sci-fi novel than you're reading the Holy Scripture. It's important language that Paul uses at the first chapter. He also then repeats it almost verbatim in chapter six. It was a big deal to Paul. He wanted us to understand that there was something going on beyond what our natural faculties and our five senses can take in. In 1986, author Frank Peretti wrote his very first novel entitled, This Present Darkness. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that particular novel, but Frank Peretti wrote it. In 1986, he wrote it based on Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, where it says that, that God has given us his power over this present darkness. It's a story of a small town 
small college town where there are forces at work that are causing all kinds of chaos and wreaking havoc in relationship and both in civil places and also in the church where a young pastor is falsely accused of something that he did not do. And so sinister was the work that it was connected that there was something going on that was beyond the natural in all of this. I remember reading this, and I'm not a big novel fan. I'm not a fiction fan. I don't really read it, but something captivated me in this book when I read it. I even read his follow-up book, which was entitled Piercing the Darkness. And it was good reading novels. It's good reading fiction, because it isn't true, right? As a young pastor, I learned firsthand that there are forces and principalities and powers that sometimes are at work that are beyond what our five senses can see. We must understand that before we are physical beings, we are created spiritual beings and given a physical body. If we think that we are physically created first and then given a spirit, we've got the order wrong. God created us as spiritual beings and then gave us a physical form. So the highest reality is that we are created spiritual beings, which means we live not only in a physical world, we live in a spiritual world. It's very much real. And we're going to talk more about these heavenly realms, what Paul calls heavenly places in this series. But let me just for this morning suffice to say this. Not everything we see Not everything we experience is as it appears. There is a spiritual world that is more real than the physical world that we live in. This place that we temporarily call home. There is an adversary who is scheming. And make no mistake about it, he is both deceptive and dangerous. And though we can possess 2020 vision physically, we can live our entire Christian life blind to what's going on all around us. There's a powerful story in the Old Testament that's told of the uh, prophet Elisha who Israel was at war with the Arameans and the king of Aram was coming at different points to try to take captive and overthrow Israel. And every time they arrived, Israel was ready for them. And finally, the king of Aram goes to his highest authorities and says to them, we have a mole inside of our nation. Somebody within our ranks is selling us out because every time we go to war against the king of Israel, they're prepared. They know we're coming. Who is it? And one of his servants come to him and says says to the king of Aram, It's none of us. It is a a prophet in in, in Israel by the name of Elisha who actually is going to the king and telling him, and God is revealing to him the secrets that you're talking about in your bedroom. Everything you talk about, God gives it to him, and he goes and tells the king of Israel. And so the king of Aram says, then we've got to stop this Elisha. And so they come and they actually say, we're going to go to battle against him to silence him. They come to where Elisha was. They surround the entire city. 
Early in the morning, his servant goes out and he looks and he sees the entire hillside covered with chariots all around. And he goes running back to Elisha and says, oh, my master, we are in deep trouble. We are surrounded by an enemy too great for us. And here's what Elisha says. It's really powerful. Elisha says to this servant, he says, more are they who are for us than they that are against us. Then he prays. Here's what he prays. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Did you catch this? What this servant could not see with his natural eyes, Elisha could see with his spirit eyes. He senses something's going on that's deeper than physical. He senses the movement of God in his life even when his servant cannot see what's happening. And he prays a prayer we just prayed. He prays that the eyes of our understanding would be opened, that we could see that more are those who are for us than those who are against us. Listen, I got great news for all of us here today. It does not make a difference what the circumstances of your life tell you today. What God's message is to us is this. More are those who are for us than those who are against us. More are those who are on our side than those who are on the opposing side. There is a reality that we've got to see, friends, that there's something that God is doing even when we, in our natural eyes, cannot see it. And we have to pray for it. We have to pray God opens our eyes to understand things that we could not understand in the natural that opening of our eyes, that seeing, more are they that are for us, is exactly what Paul is praying for in Ephesians. And it's exactly what Ephesians 6 promises us. So before Paul moves into the equipment, Paul actually wants to remind us of how we're already equipped. He wants to tell us, listen, you've got everything you already need. You will be lacking nothing. And he begins by encouraging and urging us to remember to assume the posture that we are given because we are fully equipped by God's spirit. And there are two things this morning that we are equipped for. Regardless of the circumstances of our life, regardless of how you may feel this morning about those circumstances, regardless of how difficult it may feel and seem to you. What God wants us to know is that he has given us equipment in two ways. First of all, we are equipped to stand and to be strong. We are equipped to be strong. The opening verse of Ephesians 6 in this text says this in Chapter 6, verse number 10. 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Before Paul says anything about the equipment, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, those of you who have been joining the men's fellowship on Tuesday mornings know that this has been the focus. The Ephesians 6.10 strategy has been the, the focus of that men's gathering. If you're here today and you're a man and you're wondering, how can I learn more about the Ephesians 6.10 strategy? I want to encourage you to consider being a part of the Ephesians 6.10 strategy on Tuesday mornings at 6.30 by way of Zoom. You can see Taurus James, who's here this morning. If you'd like more information, you can text Taurus, or you can text Debbie at gracecrossingchurch.net, and we'll make sure we get you connected with how you can be a part of that. When you read this verse, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, please do not misread this. Paul here is not saying, do not be weak. When Paul says be strong, he isn't saying don't be weak. In fact, throughout scripture, this is yet another paradox of scripture. That the very way for us to be strong is to be weak. Paul said it elsewhere in 1 Corinthians. When I am weak, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. So the reality is this. Paul here isn't saying don't be weak. Quite the contrary. Paul is saying, be weak, and as you are weak, be strong in the Lord. The second thing, please do not read into this and hear in this, is that this is a matter of willpower, that somehow we will ourselves to be strong. That's not what Paul is saying. We are equipped to be strong because of one key small word, in Ephesians 6.10. And it is the word in. It appears twice. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his mighty power. That word in may feel so small, but it's so significant. Because here's what happens when we step into God, into God's life in us. What happens is we enter into God's life and into something that is special, something different, something powerful, something supernatural, beyond our natural abilities. We go into a place and into a presence that we could never possess through sheer willpower. It is only by God's will that we are given the opportunity to be strong in the Lord and strong in his mighty power. It's so important we understand this, friends, that God has already equipped us to be strong. God's already given to us this ability to be strong. In Joshua chapter one, Joshua is actually getting ready to go to battle. And the battle is he's got, got to cross a river called the Jordan to take the people of Israel into the promised land. It's a big, tall order. 
And when God shows up to Joshua, he's feeling overwhelmed with the task at hand. But here's what God says to him, Joshua chapter one, verse number nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Isn't that a great promise? That word, wherever you go, I don't always know where my life is going to take me. I've got unknowns about my future just like you do. But what I do know is this. I know that God is with me and God has gone before me wherever I go. And so why be afraid? Why be consumed with anxiety and worry of things that God is already involved with? I need to receive from him this command to be strong and to be courageous, not to be frightened, not to be dismayed because I'm reminded that the Lord God is with me. So you are equipped and I am equipped to be strong. And there's a second way that we are equipped. We are equipped to stand firm. We are equipped to stand firm. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13. Here's what Paul says. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. To stand firm. Before we look at what this verse promises, let me tell you what it doesn't promise. It does not promise that your life and your circumstances are going to be easy. It does not promise that every day of our life is going to be absent of evil. It doesn't promise that there aren't going to be things that will happen that will shake us at our core. It will shake the very being of our life. What this verse does promise is that because God is a firm foundation, I can stand firm. When we set God up as our firm foundation, which ask any builder, and they'll tell you the most important part of the building are not the walls, and it's not the roof, it's the foundation. And if you don't build the right foundation, it doesn't matter how beautiful the building is, it will not withstand what may come its way. Even when buildings are attacked like the World Trade Center, what stood in some of those cases was just the foundation. And what's amazing is there is something powerful about a solid foundation. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. I love it in the Amplified. The firm foundation of God, which he has laid. We have not laid it, he has laid it. The firm foundation of God stands, sure and unshakable despite attacks, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Nothing proves us 
like the difficult trials of life prove us. But notice it doesn't just prove our character, it proves that we are God's, that we belong to him. When we face these trials and we are shaken to our very core, when we make God our firm foundation, we then can stand firm knowing that God is immovable. God is unchanging. Nothing will ever shake him from his throne, from his foundation. Heaven and earth is going to pass away someday. But God and God's word is going to stand forever and can be trusted forever. Coming into this year, I had been sensing a word that I was feeling like was from the Lord. I actually was sensing the word before we got the news in the middle of December about Kelly. And at our first one prayer, when we prayed and discerned the word that God was giving us, it, it was very affirmed to me that my word this year is the word steadfast. Steadfast. Be immovable. Unshaken. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor in him is not in vain. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The word means to stand firm. It's a word that means to be settled, deeply settled in a foundation. It literally means to remain faithful under pressure. To remain faithful under difficulty. You and I have already been equipped by God to stand firm. Because we have a firm foundation. And that firm foundation isn't going anywhere. The circumstance of life will change and can change. Tomorrow will not be like today what we have an assurance of is that our firm foundation is unchanging. He's a rock upon which we can build our lives. God had to remind Moses to tell the people of Israel this. And as we close this morning, I want to take you all the way back to the book of Exodus, to the story of Moses pressed up against the Red Sea with the children of Israel barking at him, saying, why did you bring us here to die? And Moses just hears this word from the Lord and here's the word he gives to the people. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The reason I love this verse so much is that we have misinterpreted salvation. Because salvation, friends, is not a moment of time in our past. It is not an experience. Salvation is an ever-present help in our time of difficulty. It is God's 
sure foundation that comes when we feel shaken. That's salvation. It is God delivering us in the here and now, today, with the assurance that he'll do it again tomorrow, and then the next day, and the next day, just the way that he desires. It is that God is here in this present moment, in this precise place for you to remind you that he's your salvation. He's not just a prayer you pray, and I prayed at the age of 16 when I gave my life to Christ and went to a conference. No, that's not salvation. That's the open door into the salvation of God that is for us every day of our lives. Why can I trust him? Why can I stand firm? Why can I be strong? Because I have a firm foundation that's not moving. It's not going anywhere. And you do as well. And so here's what I want you to ponder as I pray this morning. Where is God inviting you to be strong and to stand firm in your life? Where might God today be inviting you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? And where might God be inviting you to stand firm on that foundation that never moves? Let's pray together. Bow your heads, please. Thank you, God, that we are fully equipped. Before we even get into the equipment, Lord, we we just need to be reminded of what we already have in Christ. That in you, Lord, I am everything you say I am. That in you, I possess everything you say I possess. That in you, I can do everything you say I can do. That I can trust you as my firm foundation. And so God, I pray this morning for every single person here at Grace Crossing Church that are joining us virtually, that are joining us visibly. Meet us, I pray. Help us to hear your invitation to be strong and to stand firm because Lord, you are our salvation. I pray, Lord, if there's one in the sound of my voice today who has not put their trust in you as their foundation. God, this morning, would you graciously and lovingly knock on their heart's door? And as they hear that knock, would they open their door of their heart to you and invite you in? I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you will meet each of us where we are today for the one who needs to step into salvation for the very first time and for us who have been walking with you for many years and need reminded that salvation is here. It's present right now. It's in this precise place and in this precise moment. Thank you for your promise and thank you for fully equipping us to step into the arena and to meet the demands of life through God's mighty power. 
We pray in Christ's name. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.